today, the choice in life, which is very crucial for every believer to embrace, is choose God and live. There are many things out in the world that demands our attention. But there's one thing that is very fundamental to Christianity is this. Choose God and you will live. Life is a choice. Just as a physical human body contains billions of cells, likewise, life is also a series of cell choices. Your choice determines your tomorrow. What you decide today will fix your destiny tomorrow. So it's very important that you make the right choices in life and that you don't regret for the rest of your life. And today, as Christ's ambassador, speaking on behalf of Christ, I would sincerely and genuinely say that God, who is a big God, the creator of the universe, He also has a need. And today, I present that need to you. God has a burning need in His own life. What is that need? He needs fellowship, companionship. He needs you to fellowship with Him. He's, so to speak, lonely. Though He has billions of angels in the realm of heaven to keep him company but he's still lonely his heart desire is that he need you and I to be his companionship and that's the reason the fundamental reason why you are created in this world the ultimate reason is that when you are created in this world God wants you to have fellowship with him and when you die you are going back to heaven to have fellowship with him forever and I believe by today's message tonight you will make a decisive decision a choice that you will feel God's need you are the substance the answer to God's need tonight and may you stretch forth your merciful hand and your heart and give it to God God if this is what you need I give it to you my life you know life is like a, taking a journey where you are making many trips to reach your final destination. And on your way, on the journey, you have many so-called bus stops. And at each bus station or bus stops, you are confronted with a choice. To go on with life, or to give up life, or to turn back. So many times, life seems very cruel, and when you are at a decisive bus stop stand, you are confronted with a choice to still live on courageously or to give up your life. Don't you think so? There are some people right now who are planning to commit suicide because they think life is no longer worth living. And they took that choice and say, I think I want to stop living. You see, life is a choice. Alright? And also in life, 
because it's a series of choice, there is also what is known as opportunity cost. You can't have everything. You can't have everything. You cannot do everything at one time. For example, if you want to have Big Mac for lunch, you have to forego your fried kway teow or wantan mee. <laughs> you, have, you have to forego something. Alright, there's opportunity cost involved. But, there are two choices in life that you do not have any say. You are forced to say yes. The first is this. You must die one day. No choice. You're going to die one day. Death is an absolute certainty if Jesus tarry. Everyone will be confronted with this same destination, death. But of course, praise God, our death is just changing address from a HDB flat to a mansion in heaven. Amen? Hallelujah. And the second choice, that we have no say over it, it seems that life controls us, is this. We must live until we die. Don't think so? We must live. We must live on until we die, until we live our last breath. Alright? So, you notice the choice, whether you like it or not, is very powerful, has a very powerful impact and influence on our life. Now, history right now is at its crossroad. The world has one question in mind. Will the Gulf War in the Middle East escalate and build up into another Third World War? Well, of course, if you are a Bible scholar, you know that the answer is no. This Gulf War is started also because of choice. Somebody at the top level in the political circle in each respective country make a choice. They say, I decide to go to war against that nation. As you know, many weeks back, Saddam insane I'm sorry, sorry, Saddam who's another choice. He say we decided to go to war. Against this dictator. You see, the Gulf War started because of choice. Choice is very powerful. Alright? Do you know that this present Bush, uh, the word Bush is very prophetic in nature. Just like a burning bush. You know, the word Bush is B-U-S-H. Bush beat up Saddam Hussein. Amen? It's very prophetic in nature. You know, there's, there's, there's a story of two little kids discussing about the Gulf War. One little kid replied, he said, You know, this Iraq, bad people are always killing other people, bullying other people. I think Iraq will surely die. They will lose. Then the other boy gives a very sound analysis. He said, Yala, I believe Iraq is going to die. Singapore is going to win. <laughs> you know, this young, young Singapore mentality, those young kids. This war started give us an illustration of a rise, a rise, a small, petty, little antichrist that hate Israel. And they are preparing the center stage for a major ultimate antichrist that is going to come into this world. Alright, so everything is prophetic in nature. Nothing happened by chance. Alright, so choice influences our life. And right now, if, you know that choice is so powerful that even Saddam Hussein right now, very strange, no? At this present moment, 
in his hand he has the power to cause the stock market to go up or go down. Do you notice that? One man has the power to do that. Choice is very important. The power of choice started in the Garden of Eden. Alright? God told Adam, Adam, all the trees in this garden you may freely eat. But in the midst, in the middle of the garden, there is a peculiar tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Please don't eat. The day you eat, you shall surely die. So Adam was confronted with a choice that day. To eat or not to eat. Finally, uh, he decided to uh, erase that question off his mind so he, he goes on in his, with his own business. But Adam, in that beautiful day when God created him, he has a perfect body and a perfect mind with a perfect memory. He will walk day by day with God with a perfect memory. He can start off a conversation today and he will tomorrow start off the same conversation where he left off yesterday because he remember where he stopped. He has such beautiful memory. And they will walk in the garden like father, like son, in the garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis, like father and son. And can you imagine the father and the son walking and observing the beautiful sunset? Then Adam, I believe, will have said to the father, God, look at the sky. They are changing color, lah. For the first time, you know, curious, changing color, lah. And son, the father said, yes, son. This is a common, continuous phenomenon experience on this earth. Adam said, Wow, look at the colors. They are so beautiful, Lord. Yes, I made them. And then, God began to explain to him about the laws of refraction, laws of nature. And Adam would walk in the garden and say, Lord, what is that? And God would begin to talk to Adam. God was the only instructor and teacher in the Garden of Eden. So Adam will ask one question and God will answer. Adam will ask another question and God will reply. God was the only companion in the Garden of Eden for Adam. Adam knows that there is no other person on this earth except God that were able to communicate with him. So, God was Adam first sweetheart. You know, first sweetheart. Before he knows Adam, before he knows Eve, God was his lover. I believe they talk so much because, don't you know, God is the God of love. When you move in the realm of God, because God is love, you feel love. All you feel all day is love, love, love. You know? So his whole life is wrapped around God. Every time he talks to he has talked to nobody else, but have to talk to God. He has unlimited sessions of conversation with God. He learned to hear the voice of God. And Adam was the first person to talk face to face with God himself. Face to face. Literally face to face. In the cool of the evening. When the evening time comes, God will appear in the garden and talk to Adam. God will appear and talk to Adam. Alright? But, Unfortunately, there comes a day when Adam and Eve confronted with a choice. Eve took 
the opposite choice. That is to eat the fruit of the uh, tree, okay, of the fruits of good and evil. He ate it. And because of that, God has to expel Adam and Eve from the garden. And that day was a very uh, crucial day. Because why? Because that day, God sacked Adam from the post of a gardener. He was removed from God's divine employment as a caretaker, as a gardener, over the whole Garden of Eden. He was unemployed that day. Poor Adam. Unemployed. Out of job. And for the first time, he realized the serious consequences of it because of that choice he made. I told you, one choice can fix your destiny. Your tomorrow will be a happy day or a sad day based on what you decide today. And that day, Adam realized he made the wrong choice. He realized for the first time, he will never able to hear God's voice again. For the first time, he will never able to experience God's love again. For the first time, there was complete silence in his life. Complete silence. He can't hear God. And he lost that companionship. And because he lost that companionship, which is with God, he finds comfort and companionship and fellowship in his own family. So he began to spend more time with his wife. And later, uh, something consoled him. Because why? Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel. And these two little kids bring joy to Adam's heart. His past misery for a moment was laid aside. And for a moment he was, you know, rejoiced over the two little kids. But as the kid grew up, Cain murdered Abel. And God expelled Cain from the presence of Adam. And for the first time, Adam's heart was crushed. Because he, he banged his whole hope on his family for companionship and for fellowship, which he lost in God. But God finally, in His mercy, touched his life, and Eve gave birth to another son, called Seir, and later another son called Erosh. And he began to seek comfort in that. You see how powerful a choice is? One wrong decision you make, lock your final destiny. And Adam will, will, will begin as he is 600 over years old, with a long beard, <coughs> he began to talk to his sons. He began to talk to, before that he talked to Abel and Cain, now he talked to Seir and Erosh. He said, do you know once I have a talk with God? Do you know how lovely that feeling and the sensation is to walk with God and talk to Him? But the child can only understand in parts because they literally haven't experienced of talking to God face to face. They can only have hate knowledge, not heart faith. They do not know what you mean by talking to God face to face. And as time goes on, as God's presence withdraws from the earth, mankind began to have a distorted image of God because the earth was cruel, you know, wicked, you know, and God later destroyed the earth and started a new race. And from that day onwards, God says, from now on, how to restore fellowship with mankind. And he started with one, one little family called Noah's family. And later on, God's desire is still companionship and fellowship. So he have 
restore relationship with Abraham. And time to time, there will be little, little, uh, small little families that God will restore relationship so that the communication line is always open. So that He could pour His heart into man and man could relate and pour His love back to Him. You see, God has a need. That's why God is always reaching out to man. Because why? God Himself has a need. He longs for your companionship. He longs for your fellowship. Which He once lost in the Garden of Eden with Adam. Alright? So, He longs to restore that. And, um, That price that Adam uh, paid was tremendous. Alright? That price that he paid was tremendous. And um, God's plan was that he wanted to restore the whole earth with only one purpose. Direct, unlimited fellowship, companionship and relationship with mankind again. And what he did, he sent his son Jesus. Everybody know? He sent his son Jesus. His main aim is what? Son, I want you to go to earth and start a new race, particularly a new family. I want to adopt a new family. I want to be their father again. And so, a new race was born again. And that new race has a name tag called Christians. You and I, who bear that title Christian, goes to show that God has adopted you into the family of God and God has called you son and daughters, and you may now call him God. You see, God's final desire is that God wants a complete restoration of relationship and fellowship. And God took a step further. God started to rebuild the spiritual temple. Do you know what's the temple used for? The temple has three purposes. The temple in the Old Testament is used as a resident of God. God used to dwell in the temple. Okay? Second reason why uh, reason why the temple is used for God is that the place the temple is a place of access to God if you want to find God you have to enter the temple and thirdly temple is a place of worship firstly is the temple is the resident of God secondly the temple is a place of access meeting place with meeting between man and God and thirdly is a place of worship and God finally created the temple. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and even 2 Corinthians, you are now the temple of God. <coughs> Where do you find God? God is living on the inside of you. When Adam, formed in the former days, Adam can only talk to God in the cool of the evening, at the particular evening breeze. But now, you can talk to God Day by day, 24 hours, unlimited communication. Once Adam was clothed with the glory of God, now God's glory is hidden inside your heart. He wants complete restoration. He said, now I dwell inside man, and now wherever he go, I follow him. Wherever you go, you turn left, God turn left, no? Shock you, eh? <laughs> You turn right, God turn right. Where, whatever bed you sleep, God also sleep on that bed. Hallelujah. Because God lives on the inside of you. And God wants complete restoration. God said, from now on, I want to be so close to man that I will never leave man again. What did he do? He lived on the inside of you. To go to show that he loves you so much that he don't want to leave you anymore. You know? 
departure or separation to any uh, lovers are painful. Do you know that um, Christianity is a very personal relationship between you and God alone? Between you and God alone. Alright? And God looks upon you as, let's say you look upon uh, Ginger. You know, God, when he looked down on you, He said, You are my sweetheart. You know that? You are my sweetheart. Then He looked down, you know, upon Isaac. He said, God said, Isaac, you are my sweetheart. It's true, no? Because why? God is the bridegroom. We are the bride. So in our words, when God looks down, God relates personally to you. He said, you are my sweetheart. You are my sweetheart. God has only one lover. You. No one else. Only you can fill, fill up the rooms of God's heart. Only you can answer the need of God's heart. You alone. And every day in heaven, He's looking down and waiting for you to come into His presence and talk to Him and establish relationship. Even friendship you have to build up through a process of time. So God wants that complete restoration. Alright? And um, in order to make that fourth choice in life, choose God and live, you've got to fulfill four conditions. And that fourth condition is found in the book of Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength for this is the first commandment. If you really want to love God, you've got to fulfill these four conditions. The first condition is this. You've got to love God with your whole heart. Secondly, you've got to love God with all your whole soul. Why soul? Soul consists of your will, intellect, and emotion. Third condition, you've got to love God with all your mind. The word mind is dianoia. means you've got to fill your whole thinking process with God. And you've got to love God with all your strength. If you really want to fulfill the fourth choice, to love God, you've got to have this four in order to fulfill the first commandment. Do you know when God confronted man, the very first time that God met man on a mass scale is with the nation of Israel. You know what he did? He said, Moses... This is the first time in national history I'm meeting men on a, I'm relating to men on a mass scale. And because of that, I'm going to release the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is, You shall love your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. Loving God. You know why? Why God put that commandment down? Because why? God has a need. People think, well, commandment is do and don't. No. You've got to know the purpose behind it. Because God longs for love. Like you and I. Do you know that you long for love? You long for someone to care for you, to love you and so on? God also long for your love. And that's why He said, in order to, I know men will never listen unless you put something uh, uh, serious as a commandment. And He said, you, you tell the people to love me. And God wants to receive love. God tonight wants to receive love from you. He longs for your love. Alright? And you are the only vessel that can supply that love that he needs in his life. Okay? And um, 
in the book of 2 Samuel, David once loved God so much. He said, Lord, I love you so much, I want to build a temple for you. God, I want to build a temple for you. I love you so much so that I can be with you day and night. I can enter into this temple and I can talk to you and fellowship with you. He told Prophet Nathan, Prophet, you're going to tell God, I'm going to build uh, Jehovah God a temple so that I can go to his temple on a daily basis. I long for his presence. I love him too much. And Nathan said, okay, go ahead. Then when Nathan went back to his own hut and sleep, he had a dream. And God spoke to him and said, I'm very pleased that my son David wants to build me a temple. But I have made a plan and provision that this temple will only be built by his son Solomon. But because he has that love in his heart for me, that he wants to build a temple, because of that and because I will not want him to fulfill, because of his love that he wants to build a temple for me, I will build his house and his dynasty, his kingdom, will be established forever. Have you heard this phrase before? It surprised you, no? I miss it many times. Do you know why God says the seed of David will inherit the throne forever? Because of David. David said, God, I want to build your house. I love you so much. Not a kingdom, but a house so that I can enter into the presence and talk to you and fellowship you daily. And because God said, because you have such a heart for me, because you want to be with me daily, I'm going to build your house. And right now, the flag of David is flown over the nation of Israel. Because once upon a time, an earthly man desire more of God than any other man on this earth. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Tonight, do you know that if you choose God, you are actually choosing life? Do you know that tonight, if you are choosing God, you are choosing blessing? Many of us run for blessing, run for uh, good things in life. But let me tell you, the source of blessing, the source of life is God Himself. When you have God, you have the giver of life and the giver of blessing. People go to the wrong station for, for the blessing. And God tonight wants you. And if you, if you want God and God wants you, when you come together, there's an explosion. There is a marriage and restoration of honeymoon. <laughs> Once upon a time, at altar call, you say, Lord, you are my Lord. And now God says, we are going for a second honeymoon. Salvation is a choice. At the altar call, an unbeliever is confronted with a choice to choose the living God and Savior, which is Jesus Christ. You are confronted with a choice. And a believer right now is confronted with the same choice. That is what? To maintain that same choice that you make many years ago at salvation. Amen? And God wants to restore that fellowship. And that is blessing because this message today will link up with next, next week's message. Okay? Next week's message, we are talking about the three levels and the three depths of intimate relationship with God. We are going to talk about that and what is the blessing involved. Alright? So God wants to restore relationship with you. Many of you have a dissatisfaction. Many of you find that things doesn't go on well in life. You know why? You have not given your life to God. There's once Rehab Bonke shared a story. 
He said that this man, when he got saved, <coughs> he was born again, he invited Jesus to come into his heart. Let's say he was, inside his heart, his spirit, is a mansion of many rooms. So he said, Jesus, come to my house and be my guest. And he gave one key. He was the owner. He said, Jesus, I give one key. Now you stay inside me in one room. The next day there was a knock on his door. Knock, 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 knock. And he peeped open. He saw the devil. He said, devil, what do you want? I want to stay in your house. It's still vacant. There's too many rooms. I want to stay. No, 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 no. He heard a false open. And he cried, Jesus. And Jesus said, yes, what can I do for you, son? Help me to get rid of this devil. And Jesus came and the devil ran away. <coughs> Second night, the same thing happened. There was another knock on the door. And peep through the, peep, the hole. He saw what? Again, Satan. He said, Satan, what do you want? Again this time. I want to live in your house. Cannot, cannot. Yes, I can. Because there is a lot of vacant room in your house. And he's on a jar, opened the door. And he cried, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus comes again to his rescue. The third night, again, there was another knock. The same kind of knock. And this time he gets frightened. He said, it must be the devil again. And true enough, as he peeped through the, the hole, he saw that Satan was trying to force through this time. Very aggressive. And he cried, Jesus, Jesus. This time, Jesus didn't re- respond. He sweat and panicked. And this time, Satan is trying to use his force to bash through the, the door. It's Jesus, Jesus. And finally, the door is already jarred open, uh, one quarter of it. And he frightened, you know. The Satan's foot already stepped into the house. It's Jesus, Jesus, help me. What, what must I do? What must I do now, right now? And then came a voice, a sweet, gentle voice. The son, if you want a permanent solution, I can offer. Do you want it? Yes, yes, what is it, Lord? You've got to hand over every key to every compartment and the rooms in your house and hand it over to me. If there's one vacant room, Satan can still enter. Is it Lord? And this time, half the body of Satan is, is coming in. He said, Oh dear, so ugly. I better kill him. Okay, okay, I mean, I'll deal with you. I give you my master key. I throw the whole bunch of key into the air. And Jesus caught hold of it and said, Alright, now I'm the master of this house. You are the guest. Son, you are the guest. I'm the master of this house. Okay, I'll do it. And he walked into the living room and Satan disappeared. You know why we have a lot of troubles in our life? We have only hand one key, or even two keys to Jesus. But many areas in our life, we have say, uh, do not enter private. But we say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Master at the altar call. But I'm telling you, if you choose God tonight, there's tremendous blessing. You may not understand, but once you choose God, you find that life and blessing flow off your way. I remember there was one time in, when I was working in the circular world in computers. My sales was dropping. And I get panicked. I said, God, what is it, Lord? I, I, I prayed. I tithe. I do everything, Lord. What is it that caused this drastic fall in sales? My, my boss will come after me. And the Lord says, Son, it seems that you, your consecration is weak. There are many areas in life you have not handed over to me. And the Lord began to talk to me about different areas in my life. And I began to say, God, I give it to you. I don't want this trouble. You know, my sales is so poor. You know, and I don't want, I don't want uh, to get sacked and so on. And the moment I said, Lord, I give it to you. You know, I give it to you. And whatever he said, I just give it to him. I don't understand. I don't have the grace. I said, God, 
I give it to you, but I want your strength to live the life that is pleasing to you. So I give it to him, and from the next week, next week onward, my sales quota increased, and two weeks later, I break the sales record. Until now, it was still kept in the company. You know, I'm, I'm broken, that record. And every day, the boss will come in and say, how come every Monday your record always hit an all-time high? Do you know why? On Sunday, I was doing God's business, deliverance and so on. You see? You choose God, I can tell you, God is no debtor. He will not owe you anything. You give God your life, God will give you His life, His blessing, everything in life. You know? And living with God is very fun, joyful and so on. Alright, you just learn to walk with God and you find that things will be better. Alright? But tonight God is asking, I have a need. I am lonely. Do you know God is not talking to everybody here? He's talking on an individual basis. He's talking to you. I'm lonely. I have a need. Can you feel my need? I'm lonely. I have a need. Can you feel my need? I'm lonely. I have a need. Can you feel my need? He's talking to you personally on an individual level. He's knocking at your heart door. The Bible says, Behold, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whosoever hears me and opens that heart door, I will come in and have fellowship with him. God tonight is knocking at your door. And God is saying, Hey, do you want me to be a guest in your house or be to be the master of your whole life? God is asking for that key. That is a fourth choice. Christianity is nothing more than handing the master key of your whole life to God. Do you know now and now and then, a great man of God will come to town and say the same thing to you? You can grow now uh, for another 20 years and suddenly the revival hit town. A great anointed minister come to town. He will say the same thing to you. He say, why don't you give your life to God? Surrender your life to God. Consecrate your life to God. It's the same thing. Because... The fourth choice in life is very fundamental to Christian belief. That is what? Jesus must be the Lord of your entire life. You've got to give the master key to Him and say, Lord, you are the master. I'm just a, a tenant, a guest living in my own house. I'm no longer my master. You are my master. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Just close your eyes. Hallelujah. To know Him, to know Him, is the cry of my heart. Spirit reveals Him to me. To hear what He's saying, bring joy to my bones. To know Him, to know Him alone. Is it your heart cry tonight? To know Him? To know Him better? God is asking you, I'm lonely and I need you to let me come into your time schedule that you will meet with me every day and talk with me so that I can communicate with you. God is a person. He has feelings. And He longs to pour His love on you. And He longs to talk to you. Communication is a two-way traffic. You talk to God and God responds back to you. And God wants to do that in your life. But you got to give your time to God and establish that relationship so that one day 
you can still cry out and say, Lord, I still want to know you. To know you is the desire of my heart. 